time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zanashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> All right. Hello, my favorite fans. <laughs> uh, you know, if anyone That's was good. more geeky than John Palmer and I, it would that would be, be me. That would be John Blickman. Yes. I have been accused of that by my daughters. <laughs> by geekiness? And I keep trying to convince them that my geekiness is what makes me cool. <laughs> Keep trying. Another Keep trying. few years, uh, I think they're going to. I think well, they're going to figure it out. I, and I think I think you can kind of um, benchmark that when your your daughter uses the word Padawan in a sentence. So uh, the, for me, that was that was the day when my. My daughter used the word Padawan in a sentence and, um, you know, in a, correctly. It's like, okay, I did my work. I've, that I've trained her well. Is impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I can top that. There's just no way. <laughs> See, I'm starting them on sours, though. The, oh, okay. The great thing is, I think you guys are great. Around you guys, I feel very ordinary. And by ordinary, I mean and normal. And handsome, too, probably. <laughs> I mean normal. I mean, like, <laughs> I fit in with the regular crowd far more when, when I'm around you guys than, than I do with you guys. I mean, I fit in with you guys. Hey, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. But, we have a lot of pity, John uh, and I. I think I, <laughs> think, I think I fit in more with the normal crowd. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just with a little distance. With a few beers in me, and we're on like the uh, Portland Max train. Oh yeah. Yep. I remember that. Then we all fit in vaguely. Then we're all licking yep. each other. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, walking. I back remember from cuddling the, uh... with Jamel. It was a strange. <laughs> thing. The weird thing is, if you go to Portland, I go to Portland all the time. <laughs> if you go to Portland. There are some really strange-ass people on the trains in Portland. Oh, yeah. Wonderful place. But there are some really weird, freaky people in Portland. Yeah. Well, they made a show about it, Portlandia. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, well but, but here's the thing. I've taken pictures of us on the train in Portland, and everyone around us is looking at us <laughs> as, like, <laughs> we're the freaks. Okay? So i got to tell you a little something about, about hanging out with... Uh, the two Johns and the Jamel. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. I don't remember we it myself. We had been to the whiskey house. You yeah. don't remember it? Yeah, we, that was on our way to the whiskey. What, house. what was the name of the What was the name of the whiskey house again? Whiskey house. I yeah. remember sitting there and having some just great bourbons and scotches. Yeah, that was but awesome. It, it was a blur. All the different places we was went. Was it the? That was Chris Chambers from Dunbar Brewing that took us there. That's right. I was thinking it was called called the Palmer Whiskey House, but maybe that's just my imagination. 
There was some, some other Palmer House in Portland, I remember. I just remember starting at a great seafood restaurant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what was that? Right, right. No, we got that was like Google or Yelp or something. <laughs> it was like, okay, this yeah. is a good restaurant. Let's eat here. And it was got seats. Yeah, it was good. And you paid for it all. <laughs> I did. It was expensive, too. I remember yeah. that. I had a whole steelhead. Yeah. Pity, a pity whole is, steelhead. Yeah, pity is a strong emotion. You know, not John. John earns it. He's worth it. Jamil? I, I generate lots of pity, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of pity there that that happens. <laughs> that was really, really good. And then the, the whatever whiskey place Chris took us to. Right. Yeah. That was really good, too. That was. I was I'm not much of a hard well, alcohol guy, but yeah. I told him, I said, we had, know, we had he's a like, walk what do you for want? I'm like, just order me something. Of course, I think I paid for that. That was like $150 for, for whatever drinks we got. 180 something like that. It was not yeah. cheap. No. But, but it, it was, was delicious. It was good, yeah. yeah we well, saw the dancing raccoons during that time. And... Okay, that must have been in a brownout. I don't remember that. The right. dancing raccoons. Yeah. That was on the How walk many there. drinks did you have at the whiskey place? No, it was on the, on the way there we saw the raccoons, I think. Oh, the raccoons running in the street? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I thought they were performing for us, but. <laughs> okay, I didn't miss that in a in a in a whiskey brownout then, so that's good. Okay, okay. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Well, speaking of performance, speaking of performance, our, how about that Blickman Engineering? Yeah. The oh, performance. I thought you were going to be talking about Adam and Eve. <laughs> no, no, no. That's later in the that show. That was a segue, John. Yes, it was. No, here's here's how we do it. Speaking of performance. You know, the crew at Blickman Engineering, they perform for you every day. They're they're using their talents, of course their creativity, them. their passion mm-hmm. to create the best brewing gear you can get. This is Blickman is Engineering true. stuff. This is this is the high end, the 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 the, the stuff that the geeks love. The it's, chrome it's on the Harley. It's the chrome on the Harley. It is it is the lube on the dildo. <laughs> Normally I wouldn't throw that in, but you're here. I would keep it very clean for you. The lube it on is, the keg, maybe. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Honestly, what what Blickman Engineering does is uh, use you know the brilliance of their team, their leader and their team, to innovate brewing. It's not just find you know make the repeat what somebody else is doing and do it cheaper it's make it better make it work better look at the beer gun don't just accept the way things are done invent a new way of doing it recreate how we're brewing and recreate it so the results are better your your day is better you're having more fun it's a lot more cool that's what Blickman Engineering does. So check them out. Go to BlickmanEngineering.com. Uh, Blickman Engineering with a B, a couple of N's. Animation. There's a G. There's, there's, there's letters in there and a .com. Google it, and it'll probably come up correct. And make sure you let them know how much you appreciate that they sponsor this show. Uh, send an email, support at <laughs> BlickmanEngineering.com. Uh, they'd appreciate it. I know John does. And... Uh, <laughs> You know they're paying for the show, so you don't have to. So don't don't hesitate today. Check them out, BlickmanEngineering.com. All right, so today we're going to do a uh, Q and A show. If you send in your uh, questions to Brew Strong at the Brewing Network.com, we'll get them. 
We will collect them, and over the course of eight, years. eight or nine years, we will answer most of them. Um, and mostly factually. Mostly factually, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't mention, uh, you know, our guest in the studio is uh, John Blicken and himself. Blickman himself. Hello. Good there to be go. here. All the way from Indiana. Yes. Sunny Indiana. It was, when I got on the plane to head this way, it was seven whopping degrees. Seven. Single yes. digits. Ooh. But it's good. I I love the cold. <clears throat> wow. You're you're from Michigan. Yeah, yeah. You, you, went, you were a youper up there at uh, Houghton. Yeah. Michigan Tech. Yeah. So you're used to that 20, 30 below shit where your tires... Yeah, we don't complain until it gets below zero. But, it's just uh, not cold until below zero. You yeah. don't even put... You're wearing shorts until then. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I don't know. It's been a while since then. Now when it hits 45, I'm complaining. I know. It's because my wife has the the AC set to like 55, so she's not too hot. And uh, Hey, you guys. It's a one-hour show. Right, right. All right. Okay. Mind you. People would probably rather hear some questions. Let's let's do one, one quick question here, uh, Steve. What do we got? All right. From the Today's Mailbag. Probably 1990 something. Rusty Longtime asks. Rusty Longtime. That's a that's a sweet name. That's a good long time or long time. Long time. Me boom boom long time. Time. He should change his name to time. Okay. All right. I will rusty you long time on the pitchfork. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Christopher Rockwood from Magic Hat Brewery was nice enough to share his Starlit Porter seasonal Christmas beer recipe with me recently. I'll include what he shared with me at the end of this email. I need a little help if you can. Star anise is a key ingredient, but he wasn't able to scale it down for me for the amount. I know it's going to be trial and error, but how much star anise would you use to start? He also gave me options for hops, but didn't include amounts for those either. Can you please give me some ideas? One more thing. He calls for a seven-gallon boil and five-gallon finish, but I can only do a six-gallon boil. How can I adjust, or should I? Thanks. And then he's got a bunch of um, technical Number. specs at the very end. Well, here, here's the thing. So never ask a brewery to give you, like, a five-gallon batch. Screw that. They're busy, for one. They're working in their own numbers. Just, you know, that the fact that they would give you any numbers in the first place and information in the first place is great. Huge Just ask clues. them for, just, you know, tell me in whatever units you use. Don't worry about it, you know. And then you do the math. You know, whatever units they're using, you Google units of that to units of, to whatever you use. Right. And easy enough to... to Convert. Yes, and, and things like hops, I seem to recall that Beersmith will do some of those adjustments do, for you. A lot of these things. You could punch them into your software at whatever volume and then scale it down to whatever volume you're doing and it'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. So don't, you know, don't ask them to convert it for you. If they start to convert it for you, just say, no, 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 just give me whatever you brew and I will... Take care of it. And that's right. kind of a lot of the fun of the homebrewing thing is right. trying to do that experimentation. But I will tell you, the number of pro brewers who do these conversions do a horrible job of it. 
because they'll just like, well, you know, that sounds like, you know, two pounds of roasted barley and, and that and five gallons. Yeah, that's about right. They're not doing <laughs> math. They're just they kind of like guessing. amounts of yes. things. Just or they round up. They couldn't they're care used, less, yeah. They're used to rounding into sacks. And so they're all, well, let's round into even pounds. Oh, it's a quarter pound? Yeah, that's a pound. And so... <laughs> Things get just totally haywire. I don't think they're trying to, like, you know, screw you or hide anything from you. They are just trying to... Uh, they're trying to help. They're trying to help, but they're also busy, and they don't have time yeah. to, like, look up every conversion and dial it in exactly for your efficiency and your, your system. You know, you know those numbers. Just get the numbers from them and then do your own conversion. Yeah, you just know the malts they're okay. using, right. you know, the hops that they're I'm, using. I'm, I'm sure if you ask this guy, yeah. how much star anise do you use in your batch size and what's your batch size? And he goes, oh, we use a half pound star anise in, you know, 40 barrels of wort. It's like, okay, a barrel is 31 gallons, right? So 40 times 31. Divide by you know five you know or and and then you you know Whatever how you, many, yeah. how much Divide for five by, yeah. gallons <clears throat> and then you know the amount of star anise you know times ounces you know you got eight ounces time you know time you know divide by five and then you've got oh okay here you go here's our you know number of star anise I need oh it's like you know one billionth of an ounce of star anise and then you go okay so I'll take well, like one little pod of this stuff and toss it in and therefore you know you're much better off doing it for yourself because then the homebrew is like well throw in half an ounce yeah. you know if you're dealing like chamomile flowers you realize what a half an ounce of chamomile flowers looks it's like, like a pillowcase They're, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they don't weigh anything they're absolutely huge when you ask for, you know, a certain amount. So, you know, and, and people tell you, half an ounce, ounce. They don't know. They're just guessing because they don't have time to do this. They're running a business. They're busy. I'm getting up on a soapbox, and I'm just telling you. <laughs> you know, do a lot of the calculations <laughs> for yourself. If you were starting off with star anise, I would go with, you know, uh eighth of an ounce, quarter of an ounce, and, and a half, and five, five gallons. It depends on how much. I've never had that beer, so I don't know how prominent it is. Right. But I imagine it's probably in the quarter ounce per five-gallon batch Because that's strong range. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's a very... Very prominent. Yes, yeah. very prominent yes. flavor. Now, what and, was the other thing? And, and, and my suggestion is always, if you're not sure, go go, go less. less. Right. Because you, you always end up if if you have you not enough, you always draw have a, dry a, a drinkable beer. But if you <laughs> right. yeah, <laughs> but if you uh, you know if if you start low, you're going to have a drinkable beer. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's kind of what's important to get a little bit of experience with it, right? And, and then you just ratchet it up from there. And that's the neat thing about homebrewing is you know you can make the five gallons, and you know if it really does. In those rare occasions, turn out unpalatable. Mm-hmm. You're not out a tremendous amount, right? Right. And then, yeah, less is always more in, in, in these things. And as far as hops, I don't know how hoppy it is. I imagine it's probably not that hoppy. You know, I'd probably uh, bitter IBUs. a porter. Yeah, yeah. thirty, thirty-five IBUs for a porter. You know, if if you're trying right. to go more, if you if you're <clears throat> including spices that are a little bit kind of got a you know, a phenolic or a bitter component to them, I maybe go down to 25 or 20. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so somewhere in that range. Yeah. yeah. I, I really can't tell you what the answer would be without uh, tasting the beer. Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this.
Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature march pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, 
SantaClean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star Treatment today. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you out! still like to have a good time? First Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're enjoying uh, another fine day at the Hop Grenade here. My good friends, John Palmer. Hey. John Blickman. That dude. Are and Bevo. And Bevo. Hey, hey. The always classically beautiful Bevo. And the classically pornographic... Steve. Porno Steve. <laughs> Porno Steve is suffering. His test didn't come back exactly how he had hoped, but you know that's that's the life you live. That's the life you uh, you take. You know that's that's how it yep. goes. Life gives you lemons. Well, work <laughs> for the bee. Squeeze the lemons. <laughs> squeeze your lemons as hard as you can. That might make you feel better. All right, uh, we're doing live Q and A. What's our next question, there, Steve? All right. Got someone from London, Ben. He says, hi, guys. Really love the show. Big Ben from London? Big Ben from London. Who we'll called that? <laughs> Parliament. He's Big an associate ben. of mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Big Ben in uh, Crack Wranglers, London. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Really love the show. Perfect listening while whilst brewing in the brew shed. Whilst. Whilst. I love using It's very UK. I do, too. Whilst. Here's something I've been pondering. Does the adaptive phase have any positive taste impact, or is it purely to do with creating lots of yeast for a rapid attenuative phase and or to use up any oxygen which may be in the wort? Would a large pitch on an under-oxygenated wort produce a similar or different taste profile to a small pitch in a heavily oxygenated wort? Pitching calculators abound but i have not seen any that account for wort oxygenation just started oxygenation slash stir plates etc oh wait a minute wait a minute all right go ahead and finish in some cases is this additional adaptive component a desired effect 
I've read that ester formation can be influenced by oxygenation levels, but whether it increases or decreases them seems to vary depending on the reference. Is it the truth that some esters increase and others decrease? I.e., there are your fruity English esters and other banana-type Belgian esters, ETC, ETC. Right. So, all right. First off, Mr. Walter Pishkin Calculator does have a setting for oxygenated starters. Oxygenated work, but oxygenated starters affecting your growth. And that's really the the, the point that we're talking about. Um, So he's talking about, you know, so what happens is... Adaptive, exponential yeast growth. If you're talking about... So his 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 the heart of his question I think was, if you were to take a large amount of yeast and an unoxygenated wort and add it, right. versus oxygenating and using less yeast, right? Do the beers turn out the same? No, they don't at all. Right. I've done this. Uh, I did this fairly early on, and what I discovered was uh, for loggers, I right. actually took. You know, a massive pitch of yeast and added it to a beer. And the beer didn't quite turn out right. There was something flat or odd about the beer that um, it was missing a lot of these compounds, which, you know, when you you start fermentation or when you pitch your yeast, you know, the conditions that are provided when it's, um, you know, everything's involved in the... um, uh, the growth of the yeast is going to affect the ester formation and other compounds that are formed. Right. Now, how much oxygen do you add? If you add too much oxygen, and a lot of times, you know, so the thing about esters is, um, you know, you can produce alcohols that become esters. So right. the esterification of the alcohols happens later on. When you, if you add way too much oxygen, like our our friend Chad did, right. I mean, you end up with a solventy, fusely, nasty beer. Right. If you don't add enough, the 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 oxygen, which I consider nutrition for the yeast, is right. is not enough to uh, help them uh, maintain the uh, cell membrane in right. a pliant state. Right. And so, you know, there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. So you, you're really shooting for in between that. And, yes, every last little thing you do with the yeast at this point, at the very beginning of fermentation, will affect what your result is at the end of fermentation. Right. It's one of the most critical things in brewing. And it's the thing that people think about the least. Right. Yeah, ester, ester formation is it really is complicated uh, biochemistry. Mm-hmm. Um but the current the current thinking on it is that um, the yeast produce uh, some enzymes, among them acetyl-CoA, uh, wh- during their exponential growth phase. This is an enzyme that is designed to help them grow. Mm-hmm. So it it's uh, kind of a cofactor in the growth, and um, the result of excess acetyl-CoA enzyme is you get more ester formation. So looking at uh, oxygenation, at over-oxygenation, um, you can have... Excessive growth. Excessive growth. You tend, growth you t- tend and, to get a lot more isoamyl acetate. Yeah. You get a lot and, more banana. Right. And they'll produce more... They'll produce excess acetyl-CoA enzyme. Mm-hmm. They'll tend to produce some excess esters, but those tend to get absorbed or at least overshadowed by... The um, the very solventy esters like uh, 
amyl acetate, I believe is the, is the name of it. Um, and if whereas if you under oxygenate, now the yeast start growing, but they don't have uh, enough um, oxygen mm-hmm. to complete the growth, so they end up with excess acetyl CoA there. Um, so that's why you get you can get um, excess esters or um, you know from both under and over oxygenating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's one of the one of the fundamental facts. Um, you want to look for, uh, you know, the right amount of growth. Too much growth, not good. Too right. little growth, not good. Right. That's why, you know. But I, I will tell you this: the effect from too too much growth, from uh, you know, under pitching the amount of yeast or pitching a smaller amount of yeast and, and forcing it to grow more, is generally more detrimental to fermentation right. and fermentation quality and beer quality than it is to overpitch uh, you know to, to put far more yeast into into the beer than you actually need it's very difficult to it's possible to overpitch but you you've got more leeway that way so you want right. to make sure you've you've you included enough and then you want to make sure that um, you're providing the right nutrition and what will happen is the yeast will almost always grow it's very difficult to put so much yeast in that you don't get any growth correct yeah so that's why you need some growth it, it a lot of fermentation character depends on that that yeast growth and and what happens during that so um, that's why it's it's better to just go a little heavy than it is too light. Yeah? Yeah. Did we answer that question? I think so. What do you I think? I think so. There you go. All That's right. A good explanation. Let's let's do the next one. All right. Christian Rudyard from Norway. How long did Christian Rudyard? How long do you you think I need to oxygenate a batch of 300 liters for with an original gravity of 1042 to 1052 using a stone of 0.5 micron with a flow meter at one liter a minute to ferment at 17 to 20 Celsius with US 05001. All right, so 15 gallon batch, approximately. Yeah. 14 something. Did you say 300 liters? 15. Yeah, yeah. So about liter. a fifteen-gallon batch, and he wants to know how many minutes. So at so I would go at a liter a minute for three minutes. So the the important thing is that he's using a meter that will flow um, the measure flow accurately at right liter per minute, right. Uh, medical oxygen medical regulator that mm-hmm. uh, adjusts uh, based you know, regardless of pressure and back pressure. So three hundred liters is what closer More to like seventy or eighty gallons, is it? isn't it? Eighty gallons, yeah. Three point seven four. Oh, uh, fifteen times. Yeah, fifteen times uh, five. Sorry, yeah, seventy five. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd go. Uh, I'd go. Uh, at seventy five. All right. Um, I would go divided by three. Uh, yeah, I'd go twenty-five minutes at three liters a minute. 
Okay, so one liter per gallon, roughly? Yeah. You might one go a little less than that, but a liter, uh, no, a liter, uh, liter per five gallons. A liter per five gallons, okay. Yeah, right. So three, three wait, okay. So it'd be uh, 25. We've been drinking here. 300, uh, 20. You'd be looking for 25 five. liters. Yeah, three liters per minute. So eight minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes. What? No, 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 no. All right. Are so, these liters at standard okay. temperature and pressure? <laughs> 300 liters. Uh, you know, okay, 19, let's call it. So that's uh, times five. Yeah, it's 78 gallons. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, 79.252 gallons. Okay. So 79 gallons. So here's, here's how I work it. Uh, yeah. All right. Final final answer. <laughs> Do 15 minutes at one liter a minute. Oh, my God. It's been one of those days. So that's 15. I started this day really early. I'll have you know. <laughs> 15, 16 minutes at one liter a minute. Okay. So what you're trying to get then is roughly 15, 16 liters into 300 liters mm-hmm. <coughs> or 80 gallons. Mm-hmm. 79.2. Now, does the micron of the stone staggeringly make a difference? Well, Yes. Here's the thing that a lot of us don't focus on, but is actually quite important. Um, There's a wetting pressure for every centered stone. You need to know what the wetting pressure is. W-E-D-D-I-N-G. Not the or as wedding. in bed wetting. Oh, I, I thought you said wedding. wetting, too. I was like, well, wetting. I don't wetting. know what that means. Like pee in your pants. Wetting. Wetting your pants. Okay. okay. The wetting pressure of the stone. You also need I'm to very know, familiar with that. Okay. You also need to know the hydrostatic pressure of the depth of your your wort on top of the stone. Right? So your wetting pressure of your stone, your hydrostatic pressure. So if you're doing it like a large fermenter, we have fermenters that are 22 feet tall at Heretic. And so we need to know the hydrostatic pressure of the liquid on the stone. We need to know the wetting pressure of the stone by... Setting your pressure to just above the wetting pressure mm-hmm. combined with the hydrostatic pressure, you get the finest bubbles out of your stone. Those fine bubbles will better uh, be abs- absorbed or dissolved into the into the, the wort. Because what happens with those finer bubbles is you have much greater surface area than you do... Um, Big glugging bubbles. Right. Okay. What, what happens with the stones is if you increase the pressure and your flow is much greater, those those bubbles are either growing faster before they release from the stone. I'm not sure the exact mechanics of it. They're either mm-hmm. growing much larger before they release or the, the small bubbles are combining together and you get much larger bubbles coming up. Your okay. surface area is much less when you do that. So that's why you need to kind of know the, the wetting pressure of the stone, your hydrostatic pressure. You want to keep that just barely above that, and you will get um, your ideal uh, absorption of the, uh, 
oxygen into the wort. Okay. Does that help? Yeah. Is this something you've never thought about before? Should exactly. You, should you put this in the next edition of of? Uh, I don't think it's going to come up. No. So how do we put this? How do we put that into action? The wetting pressure. Uh, you know, calculate out your your pressure your stone, or, or find out the pressure your stone. Find out your hydrostatic pressure. Uh, you know, combine those two, and then you know, just set your pressure for just above that. We're, you know, like roughly, where do you run above. yours? Because the the smaller the porosity, obviously, the higher that pressure is going to be. Right. So a typical wetting pressure we have on our stones at Heretic would be like four and a half psi, and then we it depends on what fermenter they're in. If they're in a fermenter that's only, you know. Uh, ten feet of depth of uh, of of wort versus uh, you know one that's twenty feet of depth. You know the yeah. uh, you know the the pressure the hydrostatic pressure is is uh, calculated off of that, depending on you know how much wort is sitting up there. You know your uh, uh, fifteen psi, fifteen point seven at you know thirty three feet of depth or so, and so we calculate that out and then we add that to it and then we set our pressure just just above that. So for a home brewer, you're really talking a couple psi over the wetting pressure. The uh, wetting right. pressure, yeah. yeah. It's, so, it's not going to be much, right? Yeah, because yeah. you're talking carboy, conical, right? Home this guy is doing feet. like yeah. 79 gallons, so he's probably talking. Although if three you or have four feet, if you yeah. have a volume flow meter on the system, right. does your I mean, you're kind of keying off that flow, mm-hmm. not so much worried about the pressure at the true, other end. True. Okay. However, I think, you know, you could set a lower pressure to your flow meter, and maybe that would have an, a, a similar effect. Or a lower flow rate if you're a... Right. Yeah. But the point being, you know, the, the lower the uh, the pressure on the stone, the smaller the bubbles that will come out. Okay. And the more effective that's going to be. I see another research project. Yeah, yeah. So there you the go. Blickman bubble measure or something. Dissolved oxygen, different stones, different pressures. Mm-hmm. There we you do, go. We do a lot of our testing get, on Friday afternoons. Get and, your guys working. Yes. I don't know what the hell you guys are doing down there, but you should tell your employees to start working on some of these Bruce Strong questions. We drink a lot. Well, and bitch about a, all the stupid crap that comes out of Jamil's mouth. That's the perfect time <laughs> to be working on it. Hey, I got some knowledge here. I don't know. You guys want to share in my knowledge? I'm just saying. I just I saw, know a few I just, things. I just saw another research project <laughs> yeah, coming yeah. out of the oxygenation thing. There, that's, there you go. That's there great. Go. Like I picked up on the double mash. Right there, you mm-hmm. go. I'm just I. The I, brilliance just spews like out of your pearls mouth. before swine. I'm not saying who the swine is here. Did you think Did about you that? Did you notice Bevo it, was wearing a pearl necklace? I've always, always yeah, dreamed took, of Bevo with a pearl necklace. I took necklace. that off. <laughs> because Why, cause you I, saw me looking at it? No, because I was like, oh, <laughs> I, gonna this say is stupid the shit. wrong show to wear this. <laughs> pearl necklace. Yeah. <laughs> Sam calls this my grandma sweater, so I was just messing with him. So I figured yes. I would just make it as grandma as possible. Mm-hmm. The strand of pearls by, but, by putting a pearl necklace on. Yeah, oh, yeah, she did. It looked fine. Oh yeah, thank it did. you. I thought it was nice, also, but it's quite beautiful, dear. Whatever. All right, I have a question from the chat room. A question from the chat room. Yes. Yes. Could you please? Oh, I guess I don't have to read that part. Uh, what is the appropriate yeast to wort ratio for a wake up starter? I have a starter made from two vials of WLP 833 that I want to quote unquote revive. 
The original starter should have grown to about uh, 380 billion cells, but now I have no idea how much DME I need to wake it up before I pitch it. Oh, okay, so he's already done the growth. So whatever amount that it was supposed to grow to, um, if you wanted to do another starter after that, you could. You could take that, that, that result of that. And use that as your initial, you know, figure like a hundred uh, billion per vial, let's say, and you would just say uh, if your growth from your previous starter should have resulted in like three hundred and seventy-seven billion cells, you would say, okay, I have three point seven five vials or four vials, and that's what I'm starting with, and then you could grow it to another thing. As far as waking up your starter, your your yeast for pitching on a given day, if if you've only been a few days out or a week out, whatever, you can just take that. Uh, what I would do is uh, a lot of times I just do uh, you know 500 mils of wort um, if I was you know working on a a, a five gallon batch, and that was almost always adequate for uh, whatever yeast I was going to pitch into a five gallon batch. So 500 to a, to a thousand mils. That's generally plenty for uh, almost all wake ups on that. You know, just multiply it up. If you're doing a 10 gallon batch, a liter to you know maybe two liters. Two liters probably plenty. Um, so there you go. There's your answer. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, we will have more of your questions right after this. A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of Citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like... 
Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and a home brewer's answer book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. There are two types of people in the world. Naughty and nice. Grogtag is letting you tell it like it is with their naughty or nice labels for the holidays. Grandma getting you down? Slap a naughty label on that four-year-old pale ale and put it under the tree. Did your Uncle Sal add you to his will? Well, he deserves your freshest batch of IPA with a custom nice label. Pick up one set of each and take 25% off your order by either entering code NAUGHTY or NICE at checkout. We all know how much beer you have to get rid of, so why not make it look good? Go find them at grogtag.com and don't forget to sign up for their newsletter to learn about the Gifting with Grogtag 12-day sale during Christmas. Grogtag, at least your beer will look good. Hi, this is Brandon from Drake's Brewing Company here to warn you about the impending apocalypse. This year, we're unleashing our four horsemen on Saturday, January 23rd from 12 to 6 p.m. at Drake's in San Leandro. In addition to the return of Apocalypse Double IPA and Black Label Triple IPA, we're adding the next two riders, Red Label and White Label. In case you thought Apocalypse Day couldn't get any bigger, you thought wrong. We invited more than a dozen of our favorite West Coast breweries to pour hard-to-find double and triple IPAs, including Cellarmaker, Russian River, Boneyard, Beechwood, and many more. Pre-sale tickets are on sale now and start at just $25. Black Label is limited to six bottles per person. Go to drinkdrakes.com for more info and brace yourself. The end is beer. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. Uh, I feel like we've we've traveled a mighty, a long and winding road here <laughs> to get to this point. It's been a long journey. Arduous. <laughs> We're back at full power. Yeah, yeah. so, so yeah, Porno Steve knocked his beer over into the equipment, and uh, so we spent uh, a good half an hour, 45 Easily. minutes, trying to dry out the board, and then mm-hmm. we're like, okay, screw it. We will go without being able to hear what we're doing, and we will do the show without it, and we will finish, and then we will Forge. start another <laughs> show. We will mm-hmm. get the, We're professionals, man. We get this yeah. done. No matter what, we will get So it sounds kind of weird. We went full Apollo 13. We went, yeah, right. We were t- like yeah. tissues and uh, vacuums and all sorts of stuff. and, and Vacuum and, pumps. <laughs> and now everything's working again. Porno Steve thought he would have to hit the road again, do a couple more films to pay off the uh, cost of the board. Before <sighs> At least Justin my car is comfortable to sleep in. <laughs> and so... <laughs> 
And so now everything's back oh, sure. fine. Now it is. I won't get home until like midnight or uh, 1 a.m. But hey, you know, that's okay. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. I only started out like at like 6 this morning. I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, you right. look good, man. No, no, mm-hmm. thanks. Thanks. You're doing great. Yeah. I'm going to have a stroke. This brewery's going to give me a stroke. <laughs> I'll tell you what won't give you a stroke. Have you listened to Dr. Homebrew? JP's no. show? Jason Petros, not John Palmer. Right, right. Or John Plisse. Oh, by all you guys name like, I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, Yeah. At least Jesus Christ would be JC. There you mm. go. Um, and not JB, but JP, uh, Dr. Homebrew. They What they do, uh, people send in their beers, their homebrewed beers. And then they do, they like, uh, you know, master judges, BJC, which is that, uh, write up score sheets. And then they reveal the score sheets on the air and they talk about the beer and they go about why, you know, it's a good beer, why it was scored the way it was. And so you can learn a lot about your beers. You can learn a lot about, uh, you know, your brewing process, even if you don't send in beers. But I, re- I recommend you send in beers. Very cool show. And it's free, like all the shows are on the Brewing Network. Just right. check them out, thebrewingnetwork.com, and check out uh, Dr. Homebrew. I tell you, that won't leave you wanting. That's a, that's a good show. All right. Uh, next question. All right. All right. Trevor, Trevor Morton asks, Hey there, Bruce Strongers. With regards to mash efficiency, if I have a false bottom, doesn't matter where the outlet is as long as it's below the false bottom. Makes no difference whatsoever as far as mash efficiency. Most false bottoms seem to have the outlet centered in the mash tun below the, the home false bottom. scale. What if it was just sure. located on the side of the vessel? I've poured through the mash tun design section of How to Brew, and it does not address this question as far as I can tell. Jamil, go easy on John. The rest of the book is fantastic. <laughs> God damn it, John. Why is your book so shitty? <laughs> so are we talking... I'll add to the next edition. Yeah. The di- some of the difference there being mash efficiency right. versus brew house efficiency. efficiency. Right. So mash efficiency is exactly the same. Yes. That's more dependent on crush, pH, temperature, all those things. Right. Time, uh, brew house efficiency, like my my j- brilliant uh, John Blickman is is pointing out, and what I was referring to is that uh, brew house efficiency can change. It's much more prevalent in a large brew system, like uh, my my brilliant friend John Palmer is pointing out. Mm-hmm. You know, the the larger the scale, the more that that plays in. When you're talking about a small scale, um, you know, it's really not that big a deal, right. or it's certainly not enough. To worry about. Right. You wouldn't want to spend a ton of money on something where you could throw in, like, another handful of grain. Right. Yeah. At the, at the scale we're working at, the uh, the radius of uh, that the, the pickup tube can accommodate is, is about, um, you know, a foot. So, uh, you know. The, so if it, your pickup tube is, you know, a, a half-inch diameter, that's good for a foot or yeah, is there a, I mean, there a scale there? That, well, you could, you could, we, you know, the, uh, if it's in the middle, mm-hmm. you could accommodate a two-foot diameter mash ton. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a foot either side of the, the yeah, pickup tube. Yeah, it's going to so, pull that. Right. It's when you get to larger, larger scale, deeper depth, um, you know, where you will see uh, multiple pickup tubes, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, underneath a uh, a large false bottom, you know, mm-hmm. in a in a mashed or lauder ton that's you know ten twelve feet in diameter. So if you had an eighteen inch 
diameter kettle, let's say, or a mash tun, let's say, mm-hmm. and under the false bottom, you would move your your pickup tube six inches over, six inches in. That would be good to cover an eighteen inch because one foot to one side and six inches to the other side, yeah, you'd be covered. Yeah, you put I mean, it in the center, this, but not it, really needed. Yeah, and I mean, twelve inches is not gospel. I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm looking almost at almost any homebrew kettle from the side. You're good. Yeah, you should mm-hmm. be good. The the models that I, we generated when we were uh, building that that appendix in Hunterbrew, um, all the all the calculations we did just said that that uh, placement of the pickup was not a critical factor mm-hmm. at the scale we were working at, and mm-hmm. you know we were we were planning on typical you know ten gallon got you know round beverage coolers, mm-hmm. um, you know the forty eight quart uh, rectangular coolers um you know that wasn't really a factor there either we were we were seeing uh equal collection from the back end you know of the of the cooler through the manifold mm-hmm. versus uh you know by right next to the reaching tube. around to the front end yeah right same yeah same when you reached around yes mm-hmm. yeah back to front same back front yeah equal performance right pushing or pulling stop it mm-hmm. What? I'm talking very technical you, stuff here, my You lady. had me at reach around. <laughs> right. I haven't had reach he around gets in a long time. He gets it. All right. Uh, one more question. All right. In a professional brewery, does brewing all ales versus a mix of ales and lagers affect the ideal brew house layout? All I can think of is maybe fermenting ales in tanks that are easier to access since the lager will sit in the tank longer. What are there other considerations I'm missing? Oh, you opened such a big can of worms. So, um, you know, the... It, 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 it depends on so many factors. But if you look at something like um, Anheuser-Busch, they have their lager tanks, their chip tanks, and they're, you know, horizontal. They are, you know, big tanks laid on their side. And one of the reasons they are is they put the, all their chips in there. They crawl in there and put these... these Beachwood chips. Beachwood chips in there. Well, actually, and it's, two by fours. And it's, and it's in order to generate more surface area, right? Mm-hmm. So it's surface area for the yeast to lay on and to get more surface across that whole area and and to expose more yeast to per volume, yeah. uh, right? To uh, exactly per volume to, to crank get, out more beer well, faster to, to get more effect of the yeast it's on the efficient. beer as it's as it's uh, as it's aging on there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do a, a tall, if they were to tilt those tanks upright, uh, they wouldn't get as much yeast surface area and wouldn't be as effective. So they do it for a reason. Um, now. It depends. If you're doing a, you know, a lager and, and you're happy with your lagers in a vertical uh, unit tank, then a, ale or lager doesn't make any difference. One thing, some people will keep their lagers in their tanks longer. And if that's the case, then uh, you're going to need more tanks. That would be the only real difference. Um, any tank you use, it needs to be equally accessible. If a tank's not accessible in your brewery, you're going to be in real trouble. So you really want to lay it out, um, you know, in the most effective way possible for easy access to every tank. But the only difference I can think of is um, if you're using unit tanks, you're going to um, 
you know, and, and if you want to keep your loggers in there longer, then you're going to need, you know, more tanks for your given volume of production. Yep. That's the chief problem with loggers is you tie up that fer- that fermenter or tank space. But you can ferment a logger mm-hmm. just about the same. I mean, we, yeah. the way we cycle our tanks, we take a long time on ales, and I, I think we do loggers exactly the same amount of time. So I don't think it makes any difference for us. So there you go. Yeah. But we're using the new... The new lager cycle where, you know, pitch cold, you know, finish warm, diacetyl rest, get all of the fermentation done during fermentation, and uh, so you don't need a long lagering time. Right, right, right. Uh, John, you're familiar with great fermentations, are you not? Yes, I am. What It's, it's like one of the great homebrew shops in uh, your, your proud state of Indiana. It is indeed. Great Fermentations was the uh, the homebrew uh, shop that I went to in uh, Indianapolis mm-hmm. that really got me started in the hobby, lit my passion for that. Well, you know they have a website, <clears throat> greatfermentations.com, and you know that website has the largest catalog of Blickman products anywhere on the web? They have got a phenomenal selection. Pretty much everything you sell, you can find on Great Fermentations to order off the web. And then some stuff you haven't even created. They're There's creating no their stuff own. Stuff I haven't, I haven't even, even come out with yet. Of it's yet. like some freaking freaky time warp. Time travel, time yeah. travel. Well, they use that same time travel to ship you out same day shipping on you know some fundamental items that that you might need, like you know a, a boilermaker kettle or something like that. They've got it in stock. Whereas a lot of places, it might take you know a few weeks before you could get it. Yeah, they've got a they've got a place to order with us, and you know, right, right. That, get that, that like get that shipped out for them. But. Right. So you go to you, if you're in a hurry, greatfermentations.com. <clears throat> the staff also knows everything about Blickman products. They are some of the best trained people on Blickman products anywhere. So if you got questions on what's going to be the right product for you, what's going to do the job you want it, or how to use it once you get it. <laughs> GreatFermentations.com. And, you know, it, it just goes to say because they got great customer service. So check them out. GreatFermentationsGuy.com. I'm getting tired. Uh, you know, one of John Blickman's favorite uh, homebrew shops right there. There you go. They are my local shop. Their local shop. There you go. Got me started in the business. All right. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we will wrap up with a couple more of your questions right after this. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. 
Ken Grossman of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says making great beer is hard. Making the same great beer every day is harder. Brewers Publications announces its latest release for breweries of any type and size. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers by Mary Pelletieri. Proper quality management for small, regional, and national breweries is critical. Whether you are an established business or brand new, learn the best ways to create and manage a quality system in your brewery. This book will guide you in developing a comprehensive program that will grow with your brewery, help ensure quality processes in the brewery, and continue providing great beer for your fans. Quality management for breweries is critical for continued success. This guidebook teaches you to integrate quality management in every level of the operation. It will guide you in developing a comprehensive program to ensure quality processes in your brewery. Quality management, an essential guide for brewers, now available from Brewers Publications. Learn more at BrewersPublications.com. about White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast. Pure Pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging. That means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. And White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast for homebrewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide. Easy to use, perfectly sized, and ready to pitch. White Lab's yeast packaged using their flex cell process ensures the purest yeast on the market. Visit whitelabs.com to learn more about Pure Pitch, Flex Cell technology, and how it's created. Then visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of Pure Pitch yeast. And you can say hello to your own little friend. www.whitelabs.com in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special secret elite bare-bones club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W NicoBrew, your bare-bones buddy in the brewing business. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Enjoying Brew Strong with John Palmer, John Blickman. And Evil Cousins. Porno Steve, Evil Cousin, the beautiful uh, Bevo Amore. And, uh, Bevo Amore. That was my French accent. It was yeah. very nice. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, she changed it to amour. Amour. Like love. Before a love. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep blushing. 
Uh, yeah. All right. Speaking of love, I'll tell you what. If you are getting uh, intimate, are you getting enough? I'll tell you how you get enough. You go to adamandeve.com. Check it out. You're going to get ten times enough. You go on there, use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L. You buy one thing, you're going to get yourself uh, ten free gifts. You're going to get yourself uh, six free adult DVDs. Six, count them six. One of those could be uh, Texas Crack Wrangler with featuring Porno Steve. Well, if we put in Porno Steve instead of Jamil, would we get twice as much? And you, you know, you just get like a wet board. <clears throat> uh, it, okay. it's, it's awful hard <laughs> yeah. to say. Be careful what you wish for. Right, right. If you <laughs> use Alfred Coach Mel, you get the six free adult DVDs. You're going to get a free gift for her, a free gift for for him, which is maybe you. I don't know. Uh, and a free gift for both of you. And what's that ten thing? You're you're at like nine and a half. Nine and a half, yeah. You're, or eight, yeah, eight, 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 eight and a half. half. Yeah. Right. You, you're going to get yourself uh, free shipping. Free shipping on the whole kit and caboodle. Keychain, landing. There you go. That's nine and a half, which is <laughs> fairly right. close. Right. <laughs> He's missing a finger. That's what's so a funny. Piece <laughs> a piece of a finger. A piece of a finger. It's not a whole finger. Right. It's just the I don't nail, know. basically. I don't, I don't know. It's just that. I don't know what he stuck it in that snapped it off. That's the perfect one, man. But uh, don't stick your fingers in there anymore. Um, right. So check him out. AdamandEve.com. Use the off code Jamel. J-A-M-I-L. All right. Uh, one more question. And we will wrap this up. Okay. One and more I will question. make my long drive home. Let's see. Hey, guys. Thanks, as always, for the show and taking the time to answer questions. Is there a preferred sequence to when certain ingredients get mashed in? If using acidulated malt, should that go in before or after mineral adjustments? Is it better to mash in base malt before darker malts to minimize tannin extraction from higher temp strike water? Hell no. Throw it all in at the same time. Stop screwing around with this. Oh, I'm going to do, you know, oh, I'm going to do this at this time. Yeah, shorter. actually, I agree with Jamil. Yeah. yeah. Does that fall under the measure it with a micrometer, mark it with a chalk line, and cut it with an axe? <laughs> <laughs> if you're yeah. describing a Saturday night at your place after we've had some beers, yeah, probably. That sounds about right. I throw it all in at once. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, could you get some minor differences from, you know... Sequence? A, a sequence, perhaps... Is it worthwhile? Does it actually mean anything? Probably not. No. I mean, you got you got to get it all in there. Um, you've got to get you've got to get the the grains wet. Mm-hmm. You've got to get the minerals dissolved. You've mm-hmm. got to get the the acidulated malt. You know, it has to be in there. It's a system. So and and it's once you have the equilibrium in the system. And you've established your mash pH that's going to dictate the activity of the enzymes that's going to, you know, determine the performance of the mash. So, you know, dribbling it out over, say, 15 minutes as you add something first and something second and, you know, something else third, you know, things are going to be happening at the wrong pH because, Mm. you know, as soon as they get wet, things start happening. So, Well, all um, your enzyme activity comes with your base malt anyway. Yeah, so. so... 
you know, put it in all at once, get it to equilibrium, and that's when, you know, and hopefully the then magic you'll be, happens. Yeah, hopefully you'll be at the right pH, and things will happen optimally. If you, you know, drag if it out, doing like darker malts that are going to have a, you know, an acidulating yeah, effect, but see, it's probably good to get those in because you're probably using a water that's more appropriate mm-hmm. for a darker beer anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah, but it, again, you know, but that that's a, you bring up a good point where it's good to understand that ahead of time, so you you know you you can Whatever you know what you're doing is yeah. Yeah. appropriate for a dark beer, right? Whereas, make sure it's a dark match. Yeah. Whereas if you have a low alkalinity water, a very, you know, like a Portland water, very low minerals, and you're not adding, you know, minerals to the water to adjust the residual alkalinity, um, then you may want to hold your dark grains towards the end of the mash and do the capping procedure like, you know, Gordon Strong recommends in his book. Um, you know, that's appropriate to that water profile uh, because that way you're you're – Maintaining the, the majority of the mash at the proper pH before you add the dark malts and bring it down lower mm-hmm. uh, for the sparge. So uh, it's good to understand that all that up up front. Well, and I'll tell you, all this stuff is freaking meaningless when you compare it against fermentation. Very good point. Fermentation is so far much more important than all this stuff put together and people focus on ah oh, you know what time should i throw things in all this that, which that, hop am i using yeah that, that, you know fermentation if you don't you know spend all your time on that first once you have fully mastered fermentation then tweak then you can tweak all this other stuff because all this other stuff is meaningless because the the results you get are going to be so variable if your fermentation isn't good. You can take if, and this is one of the things about you know going to like white labs where they have, you know, one wort fermented by a dozen different yeasts, and it's just so every beer is so radically different. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the same can be said about fermentation conditions. You know, temperature, oxygen, you know, pitching rate, health of the yeast, all this different stuff. Makes makes a, a dramatic difference. You take the same yeast but different conditions, and the beer turns out completely different. You'd say, "Oh, you used a uh, used a uh, you know roast malt in this one, and you didn't in this one." Well, you know why? It's like no, same recipe, same same wort. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, oh, you used a lot of crystal malt in. Oh, you you hopped this one a lot more. Nope, exactly the same wort, and uh, you'd be shocked. So. Focus on the fermentation. Get that get that down, and then once you have absolutely mastered that, that's when you start fiddling around with all this other stuff. You're I saying, agree. Yeah, you were saying in a previous show that a certain you thought it was a certain percentage of making a beer, like ninety percent, eighty. Oh yeah, ninety percent of how a beer turns out was all yeast. And yep. Yeah. yeah. That's treated. It's fundamentally. You know the 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 saying that you know brewers make wort, yeast make beer, and uh, you know it's a, nothing's more more true than that. Mm-hmm. True that. Word up. Indeed. Please never say that again. <laughs> My bad. It isn't a show unless we have uh, we have annoyed Bevo at least three or four times. All right, <laughs> so I consider the show a success. Thank you, everybody, for uh, coming out. Uh, John Blickman for traveling uh, these long distances to come out and solely to be on the show. Uh, John Palmer, the same thing. Hey, pleasure. Uh, Porno Steve to get himself out of 
Oh, no, he's got a beer. Rehab. <laughs> Careful. Get that Careful. beer away from this. Does Stop anyone have beer. a lid right Put now? Put the beer down. <laughs> <laughs> there we Step go. Step away from the beer. Another fine show brought to you by Blickman Engineering. Again, uh, Blickman Engineering, John Blickman, he's paying for the show, That's so right. you don't have to. And I appreciate you spending the time to listen to these douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're finally getting a little hint of the John Blickman I know and love. That's right. So check them out on on the on the interwebs, uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. Uh, lots of great stuff to uh, innovate and improve your brew day. So check it out and uh, make sure to email them and tell them how much you appreciate the fact that they pay for this show. So That's you don't right. Have to. And Jamil, I appreciate that you're wearing pants today. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and if you enjoy the show, don't forget to check out the Brewing Network store, thebrewingnetwork.com slash store. And there you can find uh, hoodies and shirts and pants. hats and pants and gloves and uh, thongs, uh, bras, no. pasties. Stop it. Uh, sippy yeah. cups. Sippy cups. It's soon. We should please. <laughs> sippy cups. Hello Kitty and, uh, sippy cups. And every... Everything you buy from the Brewing Network store goes to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and helps keep shows like this on the air. So check it out today. Again, until then, brew strong, everybody. Brew, brew strong. On. <laughs>